Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Towards the end of book seven of his Nicomachean Ethics, Aristotle engages in some interesting but, but rather short discussions that bear upon the nature and the value of pleasure, or rather pleasures, because he's going to distinguish between different kinds of pleasure and different ways in which something that's, that's pleasant might be seen to be something good or seen to be something bad. And one of the issues that he is dealing with early on in that discussion is this suspicion or this distrust that many people have of pleasure per se, pleasure in general, as being something bad. So the, the idea is, well, look, if you're getting something pleasant out of it, it's probably, if it's not bad by itself, it certainly isn't good because goodness is something fundamentally different than, say, just the pleasant. And this is a, an idea that runs through a lot of different moral systems. Aristotle himself is not going to say that all pleasures are by virtue of being pleasure or pleasant necessarily good. There's, there's some that are quite problematic, as we're going to see. But he does want to say that this distrust of pleasure per se is actually misplaced. And he gives several different arguments, or you might say discussions, of, of why this is the case. And I've put the, the four most interesting ones here. He just sort of fires them off one after the other. So one of the, the things that we want to keep in mind is a distinction. And this is a distinction that we can make in a more universal sense between saying something is something else in an absolute way and then saying that it is so in a accidental way or per se as opposed, uh, the first one would be per se as opposed to in relation to something, right? In this case, what he's talking about in the terms he's using are hoplos, which means simply and tini with respect to to a particular person or with respect to somebody, right? But we could think of this uh, more broadly as saying something is a certain way, absolutely, and then being so in a qualified way is, is often how we talk about it. So Aristotle says that we need to keep in mind that good is said in multiple ways, and among those multiple ways is this fundamental distinction between saying that something is good in itself, good simply or absolutely without qualification. For instance, Aristotle thinks that something along those lines would be mind, nous, right? We can also say that virtue is something that is good in itself. We can say that happiness, rightly conceived, eudaimonia, is something along those lines as well. And then we have something being good for someone. Tini in Greek, coming from the data for tis, right? Good in relation to one particular person. So if we consider diet, for example, I am an omnivore. I eat just about everything. Within reason, of course, I, I try to stay away from too much processed foods or things like that. And there are things that are good for me to eat that are not good for somebody who is not quite as healthy as me or is on a restricted diet or is, is doing some other thing that, that requires them to eat a certain sort of foodstuffs, right? Let's take meat, for example, and put aside the worries about, you know, ethical treatment of animals. We're not, we're not concerned with that. I'm just thinking about in terms of pure health. If I don't eat a lot, 
lot of meat, but I eat some meat, that can be good for me, whereas it might not be good for somebody else. There's all sorts of things along those lines. There are many things that are good for one person, but not good for another person. And that doesn't mean that they're no longer good. It just means that we have to be realistic in how we're using this term good. So how does that apply to pleasure then? Well, there are some pleasures that are in fact good absolutely, Aristotle would say. Although even, even the ones that he tends to use as examples, a little bit later he'll say, even contemplation can sometimes go wrong. But in general, we can say that there are some things that are what he calls the natural pleasures, good absolutely. Then there's a lot of pleasures that are good, but they're only good within certain contexts. So take a, a sort of classic example, joking around, right? Why does Aristotle actually have a virtue of good humor, eutropileia? Well, it's because something that is good, which is enjoying joking around, is not good in every single context. And the person who's excessive jokes around all the time, even when it's inappropriate. Like, say, telling body jokes about somebody at their own funeral. Bad idea, right? It could be good to do that in other contexts, but it's not good in that context. So that's an important distinction that Aristotle makes. Then he's got this interesting discussion about restorative pleasures. And what does he mean by restorative pleasures? These are the pleasures that come about when we are in a bodily state where we are desiring something because we actually need it. Like hunger, for example. When we're hungry, we enjoy eating. And there's actually quite a few dishes that people don't particularly enjoy eating if they're in healthy condition. When they're no longer hungry, then the foods kind of insipid to them. But when they're hungry, they're like, oh man, this is the best stuff. There's, there's that saying, hunger is the best sauce, right? Drinking, you know, think about how good water tastes, even though water really doesn't have any taste when you're coming in from doing yard work on a hot day. All sorts of other pleasures like that. Aristotle doesn't talk about sleeping in terms of restorative pleasure, but I think that we could think about it that way. Particularly, you know, as you get older, sleep deprivation tends to produce pains in the body, right? So restorative pleasures have to do with putting the body back in good condition, and typically there's a pain that's associated with the lack, and the pleasure comes in and sort of, you know, substitutes for the pain. Aristotle says that restorative pleasures are not actually in themselves pleasant, that they are only accidentally pleasant, only in relation to, if we want to use this distinction again, only in relation to certain contexts, only in relation to certain people. It's possible to go totally wrong with them, right? To become somebody who is a, such a glutton that they have to eat all the time and they, they need to feel that restorative pleasure. But Aristotle wouldn't call that, you know, anything natural, right? You're deforming nature in that case. So he says, the activity of desire is this activity of the part of us which has remained in the natural state. And there are some pleasures which don't necessarily involve pain or desire at all, like the desire of contemplation. Those would be the opposite, in a certain respect, of restorative pleasures. Restorative pleasures are, in a certain respect, sort of pleasures light, not quite pleasures as such. Although he does note a little bit later on that because we have so much experience with bodily pleasures, we tend to think of these as the paradigm for pleasure. Now, another thing that he says that is really, really interesting and touches on a very important, wide-ranging doctrine in Aristotle 
is this remark that people will say, you know, some pleasant things are, are harmful, and we could add other modalities to it as well, like perhaps some of them are unjust or base, they're ice cream, the opposite of the cologne, right? And what he's talking about there is good in something being good or not being good in a general sense, agathon or kakon in Greek. Aristotle distinguishes between different modalities, if you want to call them that, or ways of being something good. And these are what we call ranges of moral values. So some things are good precisely because they are useful or they're bad because they're harmful. So, for example, medicine is good because it's useful for the body, right? Back in the day, medicine tasted pretty terrible for the most part. And so that's an example of something that is good for you in being useful, being beneficial, but not good in the sense of being pleasant, being actually unpleasant. Some things that are actually pleasant for us may be harmful for the body or they can be harmful for, for other things as well. You know, the pocketbook, our reputation, although there we start getting into the base. Another realm of, of that is the just and the unjust, you know, and then we have this, this wide range of the fine and the foul, or if you like, the beautiful, the ugly, the noble and the base that is signified in Greek by the cologne and the ice cream. And so to point out that pleasure is not always something good in every other respect, Aristotle says, yeah, that's fine. It still is good as pleasure. It's just not good as being something harmful. It's actually bad as being something harmful. It's bad as being something unjust. It's bad as being something base. But considered just as pleasure, it is something good. That's part of why we're actually tempted by it and attracted to it. It's not that pleasure by itself is bad. It's rather that it's not the fullness of possible goodness. And he also says, so what? You know, we could say the same thing about other matters. He says, this is a great quip here, to argue that pleasure Pleasures are bad because some pleasant things are detrimental to health is the same thing as to argue that health is bad because some healthy things are bad for the pocket, right? So we have to trade off goodnesses sometimes and prioritize which type of goodness we're going to go for. It doesn't mean that pleasure is bad because of that. It just means it's not entirely good. Another interesting argument that he provides is this notion that he says, look, pain... The opposite of pleasure, lupe in Greek, is something bad. And it can be understood as being bad in multiple ways. In some cases, pain is just bad by itself. It's not something good. It's actually at the opposite end. The painful is one variety of the bad. It can also be bad by impeding activity. You know, so for example, I have for probably close to 15 years now suffered from some arthritis. And this is sort of a classic example, right? Because what, what does arthritis consist in? It's pain in the joints and in the things around the joints. And, you know, there's kind of an interesting self-reinforcing dynamic to it. Because when you, when you feel arthritic, you don't want to do a lot of activity that you normally would do. You don't want to go take walks. You don't want to exercise. You don't want to sometimes do anything but lay in bed, right? But what's, what's the best thing for you? It's to actually stay mobile and keep moving those joints around. And you will indeed feel a bit better. Arthritis is a form of pain that impedes natural activities of the human body. Um, we can talk about all sorts of other kinds of pain that would be bad because they interfere with our, our normal activities in other ways, or they, they interfere with activities that are, you might say, to our improvement, activities that are leading us 
to something better. So if you find it painful to study, you're going to have a hard time studying, right? Plato talks about that in, in The Republic. If you find exercise boring, and I suppose boring could be a modality of pain, then it's going to be difficult for you to exercise. You know, we can go on and on about that. But now here's the upshot. If pain is something bad, whether it's bad just absolutely or bad in a certain respect, doesn't that look like this right here? It sure does. And we should suspect then that since pleasure is the opposite of pain, if pain is bad, pleasure as pleasure must be something good. Perhaps only good in respect to certain people, but something good nonetheless. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>